Good everyone and welcome to today's Living Life. Do you remember the quote and the phrase, uh, preach the gospel and where necessary use words? Uh, I forgot who said that exactly, but the idea is that our lives itself and our daily living should proclaim who we are and the way that we live and what we believe in, and that is Jesus and His coming to save us. And um, I was reminded um, of Pastor Wes, you know, who also, I think he, uh, you know, does living life right before me, a couple of days before me. But um, he, we were at a McDonald's one day, one morning, uh, me and a couple of other uh, OEM pastors, and uh, we were about to eat, but he was like, let me pray. And then he prayed it in his big, gruff, you know, wonderfully sounding, deep voice, prayed, and then we started eating. And just as we started eating, someone kind of came towards us, and we were all a little bit like, what, what does he want? It was a foreigner. And uh, he was like, are you, are you guys men of God? And at first, we were like, men of God, that's a very interesting way to say it. But basically, he was saying, are you guys like Christian or pastors? Uh, we said yes. And he struck up a conversation that he and his wife um, are looking for a church. You know, they recently arrived in Seoul. They didn't know where to go. And he heard, you know, Pastor Wes's prayer and instantly recognized us as Christians and uh, just wanted to say thank you so much. I was so blessed just hearing you guys pray for your McDonald's burgers and fries. Um, and then he left. And you know, the funny thing is, that man actually met Pastor Wife a few t uh, Pastor Wes a few times after that, and now they actually have a relationship. Now, what am I getting at? The way that we live, even just eating McDonald's, right, um, proclaims who we are and the one that we believe in. Yeah, and that is the way we should be uh, living. So actually, I have a lot more to talk about. So let's read the passage and then we'll continue. Second Chronicles chapter 8, verse 17 through chapter 9, verse 12. Then Solomon went to Ezion-Geber and Eloth on the coast of Edom. And Hiram sent him ships commanded by his own men, sailors who knew the sea. These, with Solomon's men, sailed to Ophir and brought back 450 talents of gold, which they delivered to King Solomon. When the Queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. Arriving with a very great caravan, with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold, and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for him to explain to her. When the Queen of Sheba saw the wisdom of Solomon, as well as the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, the cupbearers in their robes, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She said to the king, The report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe what they said until I came and saw with my own eyes. 
Indeed, not even half the greatness of your wisdom was told me. You have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your people must be! How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom! Praise be to the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and placed you on his throne as king to rule for the Lord your God. Because of the love of your God for Israel and his desire to uphold them forever, he has made you king over them to maintain justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, large quantities of spices and precious stones. There had never been such spices as those the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. The servants of Hiram and the servants of Solomon brought gold from Ophir. They also brought algumwood and precious stones. The king used the algumwood to make steps for the temple of the Lord and for the royal palace, and to make harps and lyres for the musicians. Nothing like them had ever been seen in Judah. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired and asked for. He gave her more than she had brought to him. Then she left and returned with her retinue to her own country. Yesterday, I mentioned uh, that chapter 8 describes two aspects of Solomon's reign, his power and his worship of God. And then that chapter 9, today's passage, and tomorrow's passage, his wealth and his wisdom. And a lot of people know the story of Solomon and Queen Sheba, um, but today's passage in uh, the Chronicles doesn't have the details of how Solomon solves the dilemma with the story of the two women and the baby. Uh, and in one sense, today's passage is very straightforward. Uh, it is that God is the source of the wisdom and all the wealth that Solomon has, and which is how and why the Queen of Sheba in verse 8 says, Praise be to the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and placed you on his throne as king to rule for the Lord your God. Because of the love um, of your God for Israel and his desire to uphold them forever, he has made you king over them to maintain justice and righteousness. So the impression made upon the Queen of Sheba is that the power belongs to the people of God, but then the purpose of that power that belongs to the people of God is that people who are far off and far away from God, who do not know God, will acknowledge this God. But let's, you know, we can go a little further than this to the individual level for you and me. And continuing from yesterday, we have to remember the context of what's going on um, in, in this passage, which is we have one sovereign king with another sovereign queen. And this is not just, you know, like any random casual meeting. The Queen of Sheba did not come just for a so social call. You know, she traveled for weeks probably months to come here. Uh, and it wasn't just to see, you know, Solomon, like, oh, I've heard about you. I just want to come and chat, you know, and talk a little bit. She came with gifts and fortunes, um, with political trading and policy, international policy concerns. This was business as well, not just pleasure. So there were lots of things at stake. And Solomon's grand court uh, and the way that he ruled his authority impressed her, right? Now, but that impression would not have been possible without Solomon himself impressing her on a personal level. So they are talking, they are chatting, and you know, today's passage talks about that. And everything Solomon said impressed this queen, this queen of Sheba. 
So what we see is that Solomon made his spirituality the pride of his achievements. That is at the center and the root of what we see in today's passage and this story as well. His spirituality was explicit in his dealings and his conversations, and that is how and why the queen made her statement uh, in verse 8, that actual statement, how she was kept talking about the Lord your God. And that is because she learns about the Lord Solomon's God through all her, her conversations with King Solomon. And, you know, the passage doesn't talk about the details and, you know, how he shared the gospel or, you know, talked about God and give glory to God and so forth. But if this is the result, the only conclusion that we can make is that the queen saw and heard about God from Solomon. Not just about the policies and showing her the, the impressive wealth and things and the way that he rules and judges. God must be exalted in our professional relationships. You know, you and I, we, not, we may not be kings and queens, but, you know, I'm a pastor. Um, for me, it's a little bit of an obvious thing, I guess. But, you know, you may be doctors, lawyers, cleaners, drivers, um, you know, landscapists and just you know, in all different walks and industries uh, and works, God must be exalted in your work, in your professional dealings, in your professional relationships. We shouldn't be hiding, you know, our God, who we are. Um, I mean, this is kind of obvious, but there is a lot of pressure for us to do that. Right, for us to hide our spirituality. You know, when we, even when we pray, I know a lot of people, they don't, you know, have that big boldness of pastor words that I mentioned earlier, but they'll just kind of do like a quick close and amen and just start eating, right? We should not be embarrassed. We often make our spirituality the shame of our achievements, like, like it's a crutch or something that, you know, despite me being a Christian, I'm a, I'm a successful real estate agent or things like that. If you call yourself a believer, but are ashamed of the gospel, right, in terms of letting people know, having people know that you believe in the gospel, then, you know, um, as you deal with people outside the church, in your work, you need to sit down and think long and hard about your salvation about who you are, about what you believe, whether you actually do believe. This is a very powerful challenge for us today. Because especially this day and age, when the truth of God is being attacked from all areas, in the media, from all walks of life, we need the people of God to take pride in our God. Right? We have people doing pride walks and rallies outside right? for what they believe in. We need to take pride in our God because um, even as the world thinks what we believe is foolish, the Bible has already warned us. So we are in the world we live as fools, but we live as fools for Christ who will make him proud and who will show God to the world as we work and as we live in our day-to-day -day lives. Now, as you live and work in your various uh, different industries and works, uh, even at home uh, as a stay-at-home parent, how can you, that is the question for, uh, for you, for the challenge for you, how can you live 
portraying and revealing Christ, um, preaching the gospel and where necessary using words. And that is something for us to struggle with today. Uh, and it, actually it's even harder for pastors if you think about it, right? Because uh, we, you know, we think live, breathe Bible, but at the same time when we go out in the world, we don't do we permeate as much as we do inside our office or, or in the church or in front of a camera even necessary necessarily and so that is the challenge for us today how can you preach the gospel in your workplace through your business and where necessary use words and that means you're not always in their face you know like hey you know did you know that you're a sinner and you know like that kind of a confrontation but lovingly when necessary using words reveal and proclaim the gospel amen let's pray god we thank you for your word uh, today uh, where we learn and we grow from lord uh, it is this is our solid foundation and i pray that our identity as your not just believers but your disciples uh, as your sons even uh, i pray that that will permeate will be revealed and shown just easily naturally organically joyfully even as we work uh, and as we are raising our children, as we are doing our dealings, making our deals and buying and selling and, and serving people uh, in all walks of life and different industries and workplaces, Lord. May we have pride in you. May we make you proud in the way that we live, in the way that we work, oh God. We want to reveal you and when necessary, use words. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For a single soul, reaching a world that's never been closer.